What is your next mission from God? We all have one. God has something in mind for us right where we are. Welcome to Your Next Mission from God with Julian Durko, where the saints show us how it's done. They've been through it, and sometimes they even got it wrong before they got it right. Based on Julie's book, Discover Your Next Mission from God, Saints Who Found God's Will and How You Can Too, Julie shares unique stories from the lives of the saints to show how they searched for and discovered God's will for their lives. Let's recap last week, because this is a part two on the communion of saints and friends in heaven who are on our team. They want to be a part of our lives and help us to get to heaven because because on earth we're the church militant and heaven is not a guarantee for us. We have heaven to lose and heaven to gain for ourselves and everybody we love and we need all the help we can get. Those souls in purgatory, although they're not in heaven yet, heaven is a sure thing for them. So they do not have heaven to lose. And those in heaven, of course, are there forever. So they don't have heaven to lose either. But, but we, we need as much help as we can get on this, on this earth. And the Lord has given us this access to the communion of saints. And just to recap a little bit, last week I talked about the fact that the Lord has given us a guardian angel and his mother already right out right off the bat we know that they are very interested in helping us get to heaven we know that for certain saint maximilian colby he he really did rely on the saints to help him so he had developed this uh neo pokolanau which is the city of mary in poland and it was the whole mission of all the brothers who who lived there the mission of them, and at one point it was over 700 people living there, the mission was to win the whole world for Christ through Mary. And they did this through a print apostolate. So they had printing presses and they were delivering with trucks and they had all kinds of stuff going on. And it was kind of like a little, almost self-sufficient little city as they did this work for the Lord until the Nazis shut them down. But anyway, in at the height of it, then it was a model that could be reproduced. And so he went to his superiors and asked to be allowed to go to the Orient. He didn't know if he was going to China or Japan. He didn't know where in the Orient, but he knew Mother Mary wanted him to go to the Orient and to do the same thing there, to create a city of Mary there and to evangelize that part of the world. Maximilian Colby had very, very poor health, very poor health. He was pretty weak and he couldn't talk very loud. He had to kind of whisper, you know, he was not a robust person, but he had this model and these wonderful brothers who carried on his vision as he received it from Mother Mary. And so he goes to his his superiors and asks, you know, can we do this? And they said, yes, but we can't help you at all financially. And really, they didn't think it was such a good idea because of his health and he didn't know the language, didn't even know which language he would need to know. They didn't even know where they were going. I mean, it did look pretty grim proposal, but they knew that Mother Mary had his ear and that they weren't going to to fuss with the Virgin Mary and deny her something she wanted. So they said, yes, but we have no money to help you. And this is what he said, and it gets to this story about the communion of saints. He said, oh, I have my benefactors. And he did. He had three benefactors. These benefactors were 
saints in heaven. And they were as real to him as when you're sitting across the, the, the table from someone and you're out to lunch. They were real to him and he knew that they would get him and some of his friars over to the Orient, wherever it may be, and do this thing that the, that the Blessed Mother wanted done. These benefactors were St. Bernadette, Subaru, St. Joseph Cotalengo, and St. Therese of Lisieux. So after his meeting with his superiors, he went to the tombs of each of them and prayed. And within a year, he and a couple of his, of his uh, brothers were in Japan by way of the Orient, by way of, it took him a while to get there, but anyway, they were there. And within a couple of months, they had their first magazine printed in Japanese. And, you know, no one knew Japanese when they went. Anyway, he built the city of Mary there, which withstood the bombing of Hiroshima. It was in that area and became a hospital. These saints were very real to him. He had a connection with them. Uh, interesting connection with Therese of Lisieux because at one point early in his, uh, when he was in seminary, she was not yet canonized. And he kind of made a deal with her. He said, you know what? I'm gonna pray and sacrifice for your canonization. But when you're a saint, then you need to to pray for me and my missionary work once I'm a priest. And so it was like he was collecting on it and on this agreement that he had. See how real that is? And then with, with Bernadette, her devotion to the, the Immaculata, it had been revealed to Bernadette that Mary was the Immaculate Conception. And Maximilian Kolbe's entire life was this yearning to understand who are you, O oh, Immaculata, is what he would say. A few hours before he was picked up by the Gestapo and, and, and um, sent to Auschwitz, he wrote a, a deeper understanding of what we know about Mary, the Immaculate One. And then Joseph Cotalengo, whenever he needed money, he got it somehow, and he took care of lots of people off the streets and made hospitals without ever having funds. So there's, there's that part of it. So those were his three special friends that he really relied on. And they were just, you know, they did. They were his benefactors. They sent him on his mission that Mother Mary had given him. Another little story that I think is really beautiful is Thomas Aquinas. Now, we think about Thomas Aquinas being very intellectual and smart and all this kind of stuff. You know, a theologian, everything. He was a biblical scholar beyond compare, but he was really a humble guy. He was sweet and humble. An interesting thing, like when he was a child and he was in the classroom with boys, you know, they were studying and he was in the classroom with them and they decided to play a trick on him and, and they went to the window and said, look, there's pigs flying outside. And he ran to the window to go look at the pigs that were flying out there. And the joke was on him. They all laughed at him. But then they said, ha ha, you, you know, you were gullible. You believed it. But this is his innocence and his soul. He said he would rather believe that pigs would fly than that his classmates would deceive him. So this is this is St. Thomas at a young age. This guy was about as humble as they get.
So he didn't reveal everything. And we often wonder how his, especially his biblical scholarship, how he came to the conclusions that he was able to come to. And this is how it happened. He had a secretary, Reginald. That was his main guy that helped him take care of things. He had a lot of secretaries. Well, they weren't secretaries. They were scribes. He was so smart that if he had five projects going, maybe he's writing a letter to the Pope, maybe he's working on a Summa Theologia, maybe he's doing some biblical scholarship for something else or preparing a class. He's got these five projects going. And so what he would do is he would say the first sentence to the first scribe and that guy would start writing it down. And that's going to take that guy a little bit of time to finish writing it. Then he'd start his second project with the second scribe and say a sentence. And the third and the fourth and the fifth, by the time he got back to the first one, they, will, they would have written everything that they should have and ready to take the next sentence for them to scribe. So he could have five projects going. I'm telling you what, with the responsorial psalm at church, if I don't read it, I forget after the first time. And here he has got five different projects going. I mean, the guy was incredibly intelligent, but equally and even more so humble. So his secretary, Reginald, he would hear voices at night in his room and he would try to get Thomas tell him who who was in your room at night, you know, and Thomas wouldn't tell him. So finally, Reginald goes to the superior and says, you can, you through, you know, uh, being the superior, you can make Thomas tell you. And so the superior says to Thomas, we, we need you to reveal who is in your room at night. Under obedience, Thomas reveals who's in his room. And he said it was St. Paul and St. Peter. When he was wrestling with the scripture and didn't understand or needed to know more what it meant, this is what he said. So he was also a mystic. I know that he was seen to levitate too, you know, in front of the crucifix. A humble mystic who levitated and all these things, but he kept a lot of that to himself. So that's Thomas Aquinas relying on saints, you know, Peter and Paul to help him to do his job, which, which is to unpack the scriptures for us and explain so we can understand and make the Lord knowable to us. That's another example of the communion of saints, somebody who, who did that. You know, over the years, I've added a lot more people to, to my team. I have to say St. Joseph. And in the archives, there's a show. I, I've done at least a couple of shows just on St. Joseph. One was very personal and I love him so much. He's, he's, he's really with me all the time. Love, love, love St. Joseph. When you think about it, sometimes these friendships start out while people are even alive. Like think about John Paul II and Mother Teresa. You know, they were both alive and now they're both saints. We think about Therese of Lisieux and her whole family, her mother and father, Louis and Zaley. Sometimes it's communion of saints. We've got friends on this earth who help us. So if you have friends on this earth who are part of your team, helping you with your mission, you too are helping them with theirs. It's really important. All parties need to be most concerned about helping the other person grow in holiness and not have an agenda. Because we know that that when the saints are on our team, we know there's no agenda. They really do want to want to help us. I would like to encourage you with some practical ideas to get to know the saints and find out who really wants to be involved in your life, 
help you become the person that God created you to be, to, to embrace your identity and then follow the mission that the Lord has for you. So I would say develop and practice a devotion to Mary because she's your mom. She's going to introduce you to everybody. And Jesus put her on your team, really. Then ask your guardian angel and Mother Mary to introduce you to the, to the family you need to know those elder brothers and sisters in heaven that, that they want you to, to get to know and develop a relationship with. And so you can do some research too. Formed.org has amazing movies, and docu docudramas and documentaries, but movies with the saints. And they help them really come alive for us. If your parish is a member of Formed, you need to access that. It is so valuable. Just because your parish pays for it and you might get it free, don't underestimate it. It's it really one of the best resources that we have, formed.org. And if your parish doesn't have it, I think it's a nominal fee to belong. And I would say worth every bit of the, I think, 10 bucks a month or something like that. And then I would say, try to see things with spiritual eyes. These things that happen to you. Nothing happens by accident. There's a unseen spiritual world. Pray for spiritual eyes. Put up that spiritual antenna. Ponder and pray about the things that have happened in your life. Mary pondered and prayed the things that happened in her life. We should too. And practice that habit of seeing with spiritual eyes. And then, and thank God that you're not alone. We're in this community of saints. It's an amazing gift. It's been my pleasure to be with you today. Pray with me. Jesus, Mary, Joseph, we love you. You've been listening to Your Next Mission from God with Julie Omdurko, produced at the studios of Mater Dei Radio in Portland, Oregon. To listen to this podcast, visit materdayradio.com. To find out more about Julie's book, Discover Your Next Mission from God, Saints Who Found God's Will and How You Can Too, or if you're in need of a Catholic speaker for a parish mission, retreat, conference, or event, visit catholicfinishstrong.org. That's catholicfinishstrong.org.